Welcome to Season 4 of the Powered by Rock Podcast. We'll bring you the best stories in rock music with a focus on highlighting independent rock musicians and their music from all over the world. No, rock music isn't dead. It's getting better and better. It's just time for you to start paying attention again. With that said, let's get this party started. The mountain's gonna rise and fall by me. Hello and welcome to the Powered by Rock podcast, where I'm going to be speaking with Dave Lake, a.k.a. Diesel Dave, from the legendary punk rock band Diesel Boy today. If you don't know Diesel Boy from the name of the band, you almost certainly know the song Titty Twister, which appeared on the Survival of Fattest compilation that Fat Records put out in, I think, 1996. Man, it's been a while. Uh, yeah. I won't disrespect the song by attempting to sing the chorus, but it is an instantly recognizable song by pretty much any punk rock fan over the age of 35. Suffice it to say, I still get that song stuck in my head at random times in my life. And since I've been preparing for this interview, I've had it nonstop playing through my head for the last few days. The band has been out of action for about 20 years now, though, and they have a brand new album called Gets Old, which comes out on July 28, 2023 via Spam Records. I've heard the, I've had the chance to preview it a couple times, and it's excellent, and we'll dig into that more. Hey, Dave, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for still listening to Titty Twister. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I listen to a lot of them, but I mean... That one, you know, it's like, you know, Superman by Goldfinger and then these other like really, really catchy singles that were on these compilations back when I was younger growing up. That song, like, I will, you know, go like a decade sometimes without hearing it. And I don't mean to like say like, I don't listen to Diesel Boy for a whole decade, but I won't listen to that song for like a decade and then it'll get popped in my head and then I will not stop singing it for like a week. So that's a credit to like how big that song really is. It's, uh, you know, I think... uh... I was just uh, uh, I was just t- talking about this with somebody else, but you know those uh, those Fat Records compilations, uh, they did so many of those, and you know gave them away, sold them, and um, that having a song on that compilation is like as close as a hit as you can have in kind of punk rock, and so yeah, yeah, yeah you're not gonna be on radio, cool. but if you're on Fat Records compilation, that's pretty much when you know. Totally. I mean, I think if you go see any of the bands that were on the, you know, the survival of the fattest or fat music for fat people, the songs that were on those compilations, you know, will be, you know, the crowd will go crazy and, you know, probably played, you know, towards the end of their set. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, that's our hit. And then, you know, obviously millions of of streams on Spotify and stuff. So that's always nice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If there's so, one good thing about Spotify, and there might only be one good thing about Spotify, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, you can. It's helpful for seeing what songs are popular. So, yeah. uh, if you don't have a good sense of, you know, well, for us, you know, we've been gone a long time. So, you know, it's great that you can see what songs people are listening to and enjoying after all these years. It sort of makes your set list for you. Yeah, at exactly. least in terms of popularity or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And it was funny because I went to like a Less Than Jake concert and a Bowling for Soup. They were doing a co-headlining. I was like, well, what songs are they going to like, you know, end (laughs) up with? What's going to be an encore or whatever? And I was like, I don't know. Let's be surprised. And then like I went and watched the set. I was like, oh, that's a song I wouldn't expect. Like there's a couple songs that I personally like would think that would be like the end songs. And then I went back and looked at Spotify and literally it's like those were the top ones. I'm like, oh, that's that's why it's got 64 million listens or something like that. It's like, oh, okay. 
yeah. I guess people really like that song. <laughs> but well, yeah. you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta mix it up. You want to put some stuff in there that maybe is interesting to you or that you sure. know goes deep into your catalog. But you know, you want to, you want the majority of the fans to feel like they heard all the stuff they wanted to hear. Yeah, for sure. At least for us. I mean, we haven't been on the road in twenty years, so if we're gonna go play shows, you know, you want to want to give the people what they want. Yeah, and we'll talk more about obviously we'll talk a little bit more about Titty Twister and kind of the legacy of Diesel Boy in just a bit. But I do want to kind of start with like the big elephant in the room, which is what have you guys been doing for 20 years? Why did you guys decide to make a comeback? You know, what's been going on? I know obviously the new, uh, the new album has the song lost decade on it, which isn't available for anybody here yet, but it will be available uh, in July. So at the end of July there, but uh, I thought it was a pretty good way to start a freaking album after being away for 20 years or whatever. So it's pretty awesome. But just talk about like what diesel boy has been up to, how you guys have kind of split apart. You guys have families, all that stuff. And, and what decided to kind of bring you back all together? Yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah, there was, you know, 20 years ago, you know, after, uh, our fourth record road hard and put away wet, um, you know, we did some touring on that. I think, you know, there was a couple of things that happened at the same time. One is I got a job, uh, at this music startup, uh, in the Bay area. And shortly after I started working there, uh, the company got acquired by Microsoft. And so I relocated to Seattle. Um, and, um, you know, some members uh, were kind of dealing with some personal struggles. And I think touring was just maybe not as much fun as it had been. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was never a conscious decision to stop or to, you know, regretfully, you know, one of my big regrets, I guess, is from back then is that, you know, we didn't sort of sit down and talk about the stuff. Sort of life just kind of happened. You know, I think I was at a place in my life where, uh I was worried that I was going to be this old and not have any other life skills except for singing and playing guitar in a punk rock band. And I was afraid of what that would look like. And so, you know, having a sort of getting a real job and making some money was appealing to me. <clears throat> some yeah. of us, you know, were starting to settle down and have families and get married. Um, so, and, you know, we kind of surpassed any expectations we ever had about being in the band. Um, and, uh, so certainly nothing left to prove. So it wasn't like we, nothing happened. There was never like an incident or, you know, was never really a breakup. I think, you know, it just for a couple of reasons, you know, we just sort of stopped. Um, and for many years, I think I wasn't interested in revisiting it. I was, you know, I didn't play music. I, I was focusing on other things. I got married. I had kids since been divorced, still have the kids. Uh, what a distraction these things are right like how can you play music when you got all this stuff going on right they're 15 it's crazy i got identical <laughs> twin 15 year old boys and never oh, wow. a, a dull moment over here um and uh you know uh, several years ago we tried to make this record and we wrote some of it um and uh but geographically it was challenging you know i'm in seattle the rest of the guys were in california uh we did we made some demos and um and we got about halfway there, but, you know, it was just, it was tricky, you know, between motivation and geography, it just didn't happen. Yeah. Um, technology wasn't quite where it's at these days that, where you could easily record. In that is also, here. that is also true. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, in the background, it's like, you know, people would pop up every once in a while and be like, Hey, are you guys ever going to make another record? If you wanted to do that, you know, I would for sure put it out spam being one of those people you know stefan who runs spam you know years ago sort of checked in and yeah um i've always wondered cool. if i said that name right too and i'm like i have no idea if that's how you pronounce it but yeah spam <laughs> um and uh 
And then kind of over the pandemic, Greg, uh, bass player and I, you know, kind of started chatting again about, you know, do we want to do this? Uh, not everyone from the old days was in a position to do it or wanted to do it. You know, we're all, we've all stayed friends, but you know, everybody's got their own stuff going on and, yeah. and, uh, you know, Greg's got kids, I've got kids. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, you know, we, we decided, all right, let's, let's see if we can't get it over the finish line this time. And, uh, and, you know, enough time had gone by. I, I had had another band for a few years and, you know, I think, uh, I think we all just kind of missed it. And, yeah. you know, there was still seemed to be an appetite there. Uh, not that we were super active on social media or anything like that, but we knew there were, you know, the, there was probably some audience out there. And, you know, in the meantime, um, whereas it used to just be kind of the warp tour that existed, you know, there's a million punk festivals and, yeah. uh, and, and all literally the, you can just play 40 punk festivals in the summer and be like, that's our, that's our whole tour. And, you know, all of the kids who grew up as Diesel Boy fans now have families and kids and disposable income. And, uh, you know, so we, we hoped that there would still be an audience out there. So uh, when we sort of decided we wanted to do it again, it made the most sense to uh, find guys up here in Seattle where, where I am. And so uh, uh, found uh, Christopher, our, our drummer first, and then Chad. Uh, and the three of us as a core without Greg kind of got into the basement and started working on stuff uh, together. And as you said earlier, you know, technology uh, helped a lot because there were demos for all these songs. So we worked, you know, off of demos uh, for the most part. And, you know, I could send them to Greg, he could learn his parts and send them back. So uh, and then he would fly up and we'd all get in the room and, and work it out. And so, yeah, we were able to get, you know, uh, enough songs done that, you know, seemed like, okay, well, we've got a record. And so we spent like a year or maybe a little longer than a year, just kind of learning the songs and working on them and trying to get them to sound like a cohesive uh, bunch of songs. You know, some of them span like, you know, go 10 years back and others yeah. were written much more recently. So, it, you know, I think one of the challenges was to try and get them to all sound like this sort of cohesive bo body of work. And, and you know, hope, hopefully we did that. So yeah, that's the I, long story about, you know, uh, and what we've been up to. Yeah, working, kids, you know, families, yeah. all, all that stuff. Yeah. And trust me, that's a short version for some people. Cause like I could ask that same question to other people and be a 35 minute answer. So keeping it under 10 minutes is pretty good. <laughs> and as you said, you know, the first song on our record last decade, you know, I sort of get into some of this stuff, uh, you yeah. know, what, what, what we've been up to and, and yeah. uh, whether our, whether our return is even welcome. <laughs> well, I definitely, I mean, I've listened to the whole album at least twice now and, and I've listened to a couple of the songs multiple times. Cause I'm like, damn, some of these songs are really good. Actually, I want to bring something up because I didn't even write this yeah. down to like point out. But in the song Bismarck, now I don't I don't see all the lyrics or anything like that because I don't have like a lyric sheet. But you do mention so like I, I grew up in Mandan, North Dakota, which is across the river from Bismarck, North Dakota. You mentioned you get a, a card postmark from Bismarck or something like that, but then the person talking is saying that they're in Montana. You know that Bismarck is in North Dakota. Was this like a based on a true story? And this person was like yes. bouncing back and forth or something. Yes, it was a, a girl that I had been crushing on, and she was. Uh, uh, she worked for a band and um, it's been a long time now, but yeah, she sent me a postcard that was postmarked from Bismarck, but had been in Montana previously. So yes, yeah, the stuff that was uh, the stuff that's mentioned in the lyrics were, uh, were was written in the postcard, but, yeah. uh, but yes, I'm aware that Bismarck yeah. is not, I was not like, in Montana. He could just easily pull up a map if that's the case. But I was like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's like somebody moved. Cause it's, it, it's a pretty transient population between North Dakota and Montana sometimes. So yeah. 
<laughs> All right. So I guess the, uh, the one question I have about, you know, when you and Greg started talking about bringing it back and, and you just kind of talked about how, like the, uh, you know, where, where, is there an even, are, do we have a warm welcome here? Did you guys ever think like at any point, like this is going to seem weird or have you guys just like, just thought like, you know, I know for personal reasons and for like, I, I do business consulting and I would say if you have a brand that's already known, definitely use that brand, right? Like you guys could easily start another band and just be called something else. But I would absolutely recommend if you're going to try to make a, a run at it and do something that's going to be popular, still use the Diesel Boy moniker, right? Because that, that brand is well known. But did that ever cross your minds of like, was there like some sort of like balancing act or like this is going to be weird or should we start a new name or anything like that to you? Well, I mean, we, most of us have, you know, all played in other bands subsequently and, you know, never had as much success as we had. Uh, yeah. in Boy. So clearly, you know, that, that was the strongest brand. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I can't think of a ton of other bands that had a 20 year gap. Uh, Cigar just did it. And, they came back. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, the idea was, can we, um, can we sort of, add a little sweetness or enrich our lives by having this thing, you know, the, the goal was never to do it full time. We're not looking to get in the van and slog it out on the road. But yeah. the hope was that if we could sort of get the infrastructure back in place and sort of, and we thought that making a record would be the way to do it because we'd be playing together and there'd be something new that we would have out in the marketplace as opposed to just trying to reform and getting a booking agent and, you know, playing uh, the old songs, which is, which would be great and which is fun. But, uh, but we thought having something new to work on would sort of get the creative juices going. Um, but yeah, I mean, for sure, uh, you know, we could have called it something else, but I think the idea was to make a Diesel Boy record and to try and make a record that fit that mold of the fans, you know, all that work that we did, you know, 20 years ago yeah. uh, was worth a lot, apparently, because there's still an audience out there and people still remember the band. And that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I could see, you know, we could see on Spotify that we're still getting a million streams a year or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's not, you know, huge, but it's not nothing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we hoped that, you know, it would still be there. And so, yes, it was, uh, yeah, it was intentional to, to, to do that. Is it weird? I guess. Yeah. But, you know, oh, I mean, it's kind of, it's cool. Yeah. Why I think it, I think it's awesome because there's a lot of bands that like, especially right after the pandemic came back, guys from all different kinds of groups started reforming with new members and like doing new projects, which also is cool. But at the same time, it's really hard to learn all these names of all these new bands that are just coming out all in the same two year period after pandemic. And it's like, Oh, which one's that? Is that the guy from that band? Or is that the guy from the other band? And it's like, it's hard to distinguish them anymore. Like I might be one of the only people that have that issue, but I know there's other people like me who like, you know, punk rock radar and punk rock Ed over in, in Canada who talk to all these people and they get all these new bands. And they're like, these guys are from this place. And it's like, Oh shit. It's trying to patch them all together. It's like, Oh, I remember them from like 20 years ago. What, 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 what band are they in now? So it's, it's interesting when like a band actually like cigar, like you guys, diesel boy come back and it's like, no, we're, we're still the same band. And not only that, but we're still making kick-ass music, which is what I would say about the new album. Like every song is actually really good. And you got some really interesting topics in there. Like I'll, I'll kind of leave that for a different time because we could talk for hours on just that alone. But um, the, the, you know, it's different than talking about like punk rock and partying, doing all that stuff from, you know, mm -hmm. back in the glory days, back in the 90s. Now it's like there's just different stuff to talk about. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, 
But um, we talked about in 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 Lost Decade, the song we were talking about earlier. You know, there's a line in there about finding new members and you know, sort of joking that we're a tribute act. So yeah. you know, it's not lost <laughs> on us all the stuff that you're saying. I mean, I, I get it, but at the core, you know, like I was always the sort of primary songwriter, uh, and and that's still true. And you know. Uh, we could have executed the songs, uh, as I was saying earlier, you know, not all these songs were written specifically for Diesel Boy, um, but we tried to execute them. Sometimes they had to be retrofitted to, yeah. uh, you know, sound like a Diesel Boy song. And some songs just didn't work or won't work. But, you know, we were able to get enough stuff together that we thought it made sense and sounded like a Diesel Boy record. So why not call it that? Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, fellow Seattle um, rock artist, Chris Ballou from the presidency of the United States of America was on the show once. And he was like, yeah, we, we obviously, you know, every time we play presidency of the United States of America stuff, we feel like we're the greatest presidency of the United States cover band out there because uh-huh. people like you know, the, the songs have been out there for so long. All you're doing is trying to make it sound as good as the original. And it's like, you know, 20, 30 years later, it's still tough to do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I do want to talk about Titty Twister a little bit more just because it's one of sure. those songs that is such an incredible song that makes, you know, people, from everywhere, like like you said, people will sing this at like festivals, concerts, all that stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's you know they might not even know the name of you guys. Like they're just like, oh, like I, I recognize that name, but I don't remember any songs from that band or whatever. And then once you start going in that song, like almost everybody that would go to a punk festival would pretty much know that, right? But do you see that as kind of like a curse or a blessing that you've had one of those songs that's so popular that it can be kind of hard to sort of best that feat or you know have that. You know, it's like Freebird for Leonard Skinner, right? Like people will yell Freebird at other rock concerts just because like that's that's the old joke is that like everybody's got to play that song to prove how good they are. But do you ever have that, uh, you know, issue where, you know, that's kind of just like, you, you, and it's not saying that's the best song you've ever written. It's just by far the most popular one. Is there something like a curse behind that or is it pretty much just a blessing for you guys? I would say it's a blessing. I've seen no, uh, I see nothing wrong with having a song that, uh, you know, that people love or respond to in that way uh, and again you know like you said i don't ever feel like i have to best that i don't think it's our best song it just happens to be our most popular song you know uh and and there's something about that first record that uh you know people responded to when you make your first record i think you uh in some ways it's it, uh, more pure is maybe not entirely accurate but you know all those songs we were writing None of us ever had any sense that people would hear them. We were just making dumb songs and, you know, there wasn't all that much thought behind them. And there's something in that that maybe people responded to in some way. Whereas everything subsequently, we had a record deal and we knew people would just, uh, you know, we knew the songs would be heard and it sort of makes you get inside your own head in, in a different way. But no, I mean, man, there's nothing, it's the best. You know, you can... You get to that song, you get to the fuck you, I hate you part, and you put yeah. your arm up and the entire audience, you know, sings along. I mean, it's like, that's like rock star shit. What could be, what could be better? Definitely no, nothing, nothing but a, a blessing for sure. Yeah. And that's like, obviously, you know, that's the, that's the interjection stop part. Like, fuck you, I hate you. But yeah, everybody who knows a punk song <laughs> over the last 30 years even if they don't know the whole song, they'll know that one line, right? And then that's the, the, when they go crazy. There's a funny interview where Fat Mike is talking to somebody about those compilations, and he he's an, even Diesel Boy has a song that everybody knows, you know? Like, <laughs> yes, like, thank thanks, you, Mike. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, like, I've talked to other people about this, and I'm like, I don't know what the original cost of investment for those compilation albums were, but I swear, like, the lifetime value for anybody who's on those compilations is, like, 
even if you didn't get paid for it, like for being on that compilation, like the, the uh, amazing ability for that thing to keep living on, even though those compilations, you know, they're, they're kind of relics or gems, whatever artifacts at this point, like everybody who was on them celebrated has been celebrated for like 25 years now. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, there was no, I mean, there wasn't much of an investment. You had to press the things, but all the songs, you know, were already on other records or were yeah. recorded for a record and, you know, were, was like a leftover. So, you yeah, know, usually it was, it was like marketing. a previously unreleased no effects song and everything else was like there already. So, I mean, you know, the, right. It was just, yeah, it was pure marketing. These were all songs from records that had, you know, were coming out or had been out. And so it was just a way to, potentially you know oh well if you like no use for a name but you don't know strung out or lag wagon or diesel boy or you know whoever um you know you get turned on to some some other stuff and they were like four bucks or whatever they sold them for so it was yeah. super cheap or they would give them away and you know uh it was super affordable way to get turned yeah. on to new music nobody yeah, needs they, that anymore but and they know. could obviously write it off as a marketing loss and just be like hey, it was sold six thousand other units over here of this thing <laughs> I what before Diesel Boy was signed to Fat, uh, I interned there when I was in college and just after college. Uh, me and Chris Shiflett, uh, who uh, ended up being in No Use for Name and is now the guitar player for the Foo Fighters, yeah. one of the first uh, jobs that I remember doing, he and I sitting down, and for some reason, Australia wouldn't accept uh, you couldn't shrink wrap stuff that got sent to Australia, so. We had to spend like an entire afternoon with the exacto knife taking the shrink wrapping off of uh, fat music for fat people and you know putting them over here like that was the kind of stuff that that, that I was doing a, as an intern. Yeah, that's always the fun stuff the the tedious <clears throat> but laborious, just monotonous kind of stuff. Like get over there yeah. and do that. You, but I loved it. Labor. Couldn't get enough of it. It was great to just be there and be around yeah. the label and all that stuff. Loved it. So let's talk about the thought process of the new album. Like obviously you've got, like I said, you've got kind of a, lo a long range of kind of diverse topics, but was there, were, like you, you mentioned that these have kind of been written over time, but were you trying to kind of thematically keep them, you know, away from maybe younger songs that you've made or different, or were you trying to keep it different or was it basically you just wanted to keep the same sound and you could write it however you want, but whatever you want. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, you know, uh, uh, often you know had some sort of um immature notion of romantic love and i was always having my heart broken or longing for somebody and so i feel like there was that was a common inspiration or a common topic of songs um you know i'm just in a different i just turned 50 i'm in a different place in my life you know um uh, so I think the more emotional or serious songs, uh, not that there aren't songs about relationships on the, on the new record, cause there are a few, um, but there's, uh, you know, uh, so I don't think there was any thought necessarily to wanting to keep them thematically similar or to follow a theme. Uh, there's humorous stuff too. Um, but I think just in general, just because I'm older, the stuff that I'm writing about is a little different. I find it much harder now than I used to, to come up with topics to write about. You know, I can, yeah. it's usually one of the last pieces to come together in a song is the lyrics, you know, I'll get the chords and the melody together. And then it's like, well, what am I going to write about? And I, I'll try and keep a sort of running list of song titles or, you know, or ideas, but, uh, but but it's hard. I, I find it challenging to come up with, you know, an interesting angle or something that I want to write about. You know, I've never 
you know, uh, we've never been a band that writes a lot about politics. Uh, yeah. You know, may, maybe, you know, we, there's a lot of pop culture stuff in our song. So, you know, that that's one way maybe that, you know, we keep up with contemporary culture. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's challenging and tricky, but no, not thought really, uh, especially because many of these songs were written, you know, years ago. Uh, sure. it, it would be hard to kind of keep them thematic. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, once you get old enough to where like, you know, you're not writing about relationships, every song, like when I was in high school, I could write a song a day about, you know, heartbreak or whatever. Right. Or about totally. a girl that I'm crushing on or whatever. Yep. But now it's like, I don't have that problem. I'm married. I have a kid. I've been with the same person for like 11 or 12 years now. Uh, and it's just like, what now? Like you got to write about stuff on the news or like movies that you watch or something it's like, Oh, it's just different. Like, you know, I always think, I was thinking like, you know, Weezer, for example, right? So, like, they used to talk about, you know, the being the nerdy person and kind of being awkward, and now they're pretty, pretty well off. I mean, they've been they've been famous for like thirty some years or whatever. So now it's yeah. just like, what do you talk about? Like being in a band, going doing rich person stuff, and it's like that doesn't really resonate with the core audience that I grew up with. But okay, like, you know, I guess that's where you're at. Like, what else are you going to write about? You don't know anything else anymore. So, well, one of the nice things, too, is, you know, it doesn't always have to be autobiographical. You know, there's a few songs on the record, or at least one, I guess there's a couple uh, on our record where, you know, I might be singing in first person, but it's not me that is singing sure. the song. So, you know, it can be fun to play a character or put yourself in the mindset of, you know, a type of person or a kind of person who's going through something. And I think, you know, the best songwriters are, are able to do that from you yeah. know, Springsteen to Dylan, you know, sometimes, you know, <clears throat> uh, uh, you know, you, you could sing a song from the perspective of a woman or, you know, there's, you know, there's, but you still got to have an idea, you know, that's the, that's yeah. the challenge, but, but there's definitely other stuff, you know, uh, and most of the songs, maybe not most, but many of the songs on our record are not autobiographical per se or about me, but, you know, yeah. or just a character singing yeah. a song. And that's how, that's how I always felt like if you can't think of something about yourself, just go and create something, be creative and just write something like movies aren't all autobiographical. Like, Conan the Barbarian wasn't written about anybody in particular, I don't think, but yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh, so was there any song on this new album that once you put it on recording and got the master back, you were like, oh shit, that's a pretty good song. <clears throat> there are definitely some of the, you know, there were definitely a few that really came together in a way in the studio that was like, oh man, that's awesome. Um, uh, I mean, no, I mean, it's, you know, I, I, Corpse Paint Blues was a song that, you know, it's kind of mid-tempo, uh, wasn't sure exactly how it would be, but once we got it recorded and kind of, you know, you could hear all the parts and, you know, there's kind of, you know, some more subtle kind of uh, musical stuff in there, uh, that kind of came together in a way that I was happy about. Not that I didn't like it before, but, you know, I think, I think for the most part, you know, um, really happy with how how everything came out I, there wasn't one that we were like floored by and frankly you know if if you've been in a band and made a record you probably you know there are moments where you feel that way about many songs you're like oh wow this one's coming out really good or oh this kind of came out in an unexpected way so i think that happens over and over again while you're while you're making a record and then you know you gotta you gotta sequence it and figure out well how does this make sense? What should be the first one? What should be you know? I think the 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 closer was always obvious because it's kind of a ballad or a sort of slower one. Yeah. But, you know everything in between. You know it's like making a mixtape and you know it's hard because it changes. Oh, the, your favorite song changes over the course of of making it. And also, you know, 
just the process of it, it rarely it, like come together slowly. It's like maybe you do, you know, you add a guitar here and a vocal here, but you don't really get to hear the whole thing until you're kind of mixing. And, and so, you know, they each take on new elements and, you know, yeah. as you're going. Yeah, well, I'll say for the very first time I went through it, because I had already heard the song Bismarck when you guys released the single, but I hadn't heard Dirty Dishes yet before I listened to the album. When that song came out, I was like, oh, you know, on the on the playlist, I was like, oh, shit, this is a real, like, this this immediately caught my attention. And just like the the chorus and everything, I was like, damn, this is actually very reminiscent of, of a lot of the good stuff, but also new to where it's like, it doesn't sound like Old Diesel Boy, but it it kind of parlays that 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 sound and that brand and kind of make something new out of it, which I thought, man, this is a really good song. So that's awesome. Thank yeah. you. I know it's you guys' newest single. So I do want to go ahead and try to play that track for everybody. So do I have your permission, Dave, to play the song dirty dishes from the new album gets old? Uh, so that way people can kind of hear the, the new song. Yeah, absolutely. And my recommendation is that you turn up the volume when you play it. Yes. for As sure. loud as possible. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk you, we'll, we'll give you these dulcet tones while talking, but then as soon as I say we'll be back right after this, and then you just crank the radio up, okay? So uh, this is going to be, uh, you know, uh, Dirty Dishes from Diesel Boy, and we'll actually come back and I'll put Dave into the spotlight and with some hot seat questions that I find interesting, and we'll see what happens. But the Powered by Rock podcast will return right after this. Turn it up. Watch 
Welcome back to the Power by Rock podcast. I'm here with Dave Lake from Diesel Boy, and I'm going to try to make his brain break a little bit with some odd questions that he may or may not have an immediate answer for. Dave, are you ready to be put in the spotlight? I, I, I guess. I'm here. I am. <laughs> All right. So, so it's a Monday, so get, you cut me a little slack. Yeah, it's still a little early in the Pacific time zones. It's before noon. You know, you had coffee, so that's good. That's that's a yep. that's a starting point. Uh, but in your new song, so this is question number one, in your new song, Short and to the Point, you mentioned that you play guitar like Jimmy Page sings, where you only use the top strings. So to go in a totally different direction, what song of Led Zeppelin's would you say Diesel Boy would be able to cover best? Oh, my God. None. <laughs> I thought it that may be the special, immediate. It takes a special kind of band. I mean, for starters, Robert Plants is a motherfucker of a singer. Uh, and I love metal and, you know... I, I can do some kind of medley things. I don't know. Off the top of my head, I I, I don't know. Uh, but it's you know I don't know. There it takes a a really good band to play Zeppelin, and you know not that there aren't players in Diesel Boy who could do it, but that is not a band that whatever that you know I've never thought. Oh, let's try and do a Led Zeppelin song and see how that goes. That is just not. Uh, I, I have no idea. <laughs> Hopefully, you won't ever hear it. So it'll be it'll be whatever they can come up with in a three chord progression that has like very few time changes. <laughs> I mean, you know, our songs don't have a lot. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, and they they have so many riffs. We don't have a ton of riffs, you know. Like yeah. rock and roll, what a great riff. Uh, you know, that would be fun to play. But you know, I don't know if I could really get up the the been a long time. I don't know if I could get, get you know, even that, some of the old Diesel songs are hard for me to get up into that range anymore. So yeah, you know. You have to get in that range, but then you also have to smoke like a pack of cigarettes to get that raspiness as well. So it's kind of totally. Like, yeah. <laughs> all right. Question number two, out of all the bands you've played with over the years, who was your favorite to play with or tour with and why? Um, well, I would say that um, in general, we got along well with, you know, all the bands that we toured with, most of the bands that we toured with. And often we would ask bands that we both liked their music and liked them personally, like Big Wig comes to mind. They were fun to take on the road. Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, we did our very first, uh, we did our very first like real tour with Strung Out. Um, and um, <clears throat> they taught us a lot just about being a band and, you know, being professional and, you know, they were great and fun to watch every night. They took us, you know, not only to, we did an epically long first tour. It was like nine weeks, which, you know, in hindsight is just crazy. Yeah. It was long then. Normally it's but, like a uh, weekend first and then like two weeks. Or <laughs> I, I mean, you know, maybe a month or something, yeah. but you know, like two months was a really long tour. And then they took us to Europe um, and, uh, and they were rad dudes and, you know, we've stayed friends and, you know, I, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, no Use for a Name was another band that I always got along well with and, you know, uh, was friendly with and they were always fun to, to be on the road with. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you you know, uh, yeah, I mean, there were very few bands where it was just, you know, we never got, in, you know, feuded with people and, you know, um, and, and still, you know, if, if those bands for, that we toured with back in the day, like, come through town, you know, it's always, they're like your war buddies, you know, you show up and yeah. you're like, hey, uh yeah. shared trauma like slash success at the same time <laughs> totally yeah yeah all right so question number three you got to tour and play during the heyday of punk music in the 90s and early 2000s 
I'm going to ask you two questions here because I actually didn't write this, but I thought about it earlier today. So what one thing do you think about those days will probably never make a comeback in the music industry or kind of punk music specifically that you kind of maybe wish it did or kind of miss because it's, you know, in the past now? What, what thing from the nineties? Yeah. Like, yeah, obviously, no, like obviously CDs were selling crazy. Like obviously record labels actually put some RNA into band. Like, you know, there was research and development and like, you know, they had, you know, actual people helping, uh, you know, bands grow as opposed to just now it's like all independent. And then you have to be famous before you get a record contract. But was there anything about that time that like, you're just like, you know, this was awesome. The fact that we could get this at this time now was like obviously completely different, right? Well, I mean, selling records. I mean, the fact that people were actually, you know, had an interest in, you know, physical media is huge and totally changed the music business. You know, yeah, there are still people that will buy vinyl and CDs and, you know, some people will buy digital downloads, but not like it used to be, you know, yeah. music ownership has forever changed. You just rent it. And, you know, you have every song ever. And uh, at the time, it, it, you know, that was just the music business. It wasn't unique to punk rock. I mean, yes, punk rock got popular and there were bands getting signed and selling more records than they had ever before. Uh, I guess the good thing about punk's roots in the underground is that, you know, it will continue like that forever, uh, yeah. hopefully. And metal too, you know, metal and punk have both had rich rich roots and history in the underground with independent labels that operate outside of the mainstream. And that still exists. You know, many of those punk labels are still around metal labels too. Uh, unfortunately for the bands uh, and the labels, you know, uh, just no one is buying records. Uh, and so it makes it much harder, you know, budgets for recording have come down and all of it, you know, you just yeah. have to be much scrappier. So uh, we didn't know it then. So um you know, uh, I guess I wouldn't say we took it for granted, but you know, we will never, we will never ever sell records like we did then. Yeah. You know, I, you mean, get, I guess you just have to go to streaming numbers or something, but it's just such a different, you know, the artists really lost a lot of power, uh, when the, when the, that shift happened, you know, yeah. really Spotify's fault, but Napster, Napster was sort of the linchpin and then Spotify sort of ramped it up a level and you know i don't know if you there was a there's a six-part series uh on netflix about spotify it's good um but you, you know you really see like you know they may have had good intentions you know yes let's yeah. democratize music everybody should have access to music i mean i agree but does that mean that the artists shouldn't get paid anymore I, no yeah exactly and i know it's kind of like you're saying you, you didn't take it for granted you couldn't because you didn't even know that there was a possibility for change like that right it's like we breathe air. We don't take it for granted necessarily, but like if all of a sudden we had to start breathing water, you'd be like, Oh shit, I really forgot about how good breathing air was over trying to breathe water. It's a little harder now. Um, yeah. but you know, I will say the one kind of thing that I, I kind of have noticed in the recent years of punk rock music is a lot more people of color, uh, women and, you know, all different, you know, uh, kind of ethnicities actually fronting and playing in punk bands and, and even just rock music that, really wasn't kind of going on in the 90s 90s it was pretty much and even the 80s is pretty much just you know white suburban or you know even white urban kids just you know males mostly playing in music uh, and then making bands so that's kind of one change i think that's kind of been good for punk and for rock music in general because now it's branching out to like these you know these kids of like these these parents who had 
you know, like, you know, inclination to listen to this music when they were younger, but now they're getting their kids into it. Now their kids are finally growing up to where they're 20, 25 years old and seeing all these new punk bands come out and all these rock bands. So I guess there's some good and some bad because now it is kind of spread out like through, you know, anybody could go listen to punk music because of Spotify. Uh, so there's more interest in it, but at the same time, there's also, you know, a complete uh, watering down of the system where it's like, how do you even know who's good anymore? Because there's like 10 million punk bands out there now. So it's, yeah. it's been interesting. <laughs> yeah. I agree with all the stuff you said too. I think that's great that there's more people of color, more women, you know, the, the, for sure. Yeah. All right. So this is a total curveball here. I'm going to actually steal a question from Stephen Colbert, who uses a famous questionnaire. And it's the first yeah. question on his, on his questionnaire. So what's the best sandwich? Mm, I've watched a million of these on, on YouTube, uh, and I, I should have a good answer. Uh, I, mm, I mean, I like a Reuben. Okay. My heart doesn't like it, but, you know, uh, you get some meat, you get some sauerkraut, you know, some toasted bread, some, I don't know, Russian dressing, Thousand Island, I don't know. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's usually Russian dressing, but I think people but who also, don't Russian, but Thousand Island. also can't go wrong with the PB&J. It's simple. You've got the ingredients. It's always fucking delicious. Yeah. You can make it in two minutes. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna go with PB&J. Are you going crunchy or creamy peanut butter, though? Crunchy. Okay. See, you're not like a psychopath a after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean... Uh, out of all the ones that I ever saw, I think it was, I think it was George Clooney and not that I model my life around George Clooney. Cause clearly I don't live in Italy and don't have a supermodel wife or anything like that. My wife's pretty good looking, but uh, she's, she's never made it as a supermodel. Um, but uh, the, I think the answer he gave was a club sandwich. And I was like, you know what? That's not a bad answer. It's got like your, like three meats in there, including bacon. It's got everything you need. And it's just a, it's a, you know, usually triple layer sandwich kind of thing. I'm like, that's a great answer. Like club sandwiches and, are delicious. And it's quartered. Yeah. Yeah. Most sandwiches <laughs> cut it for are not you. quartered. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? George Clooney might've won this one. Cause that's uh, <laughs> every try, every time I go to a sandwich shop, I'm like, I could get like an egg salad sandwich, which I also love. I could get, you know, whatever else, but I'm like club sandwiches sounds pretty good right now. So yeah. I'm hungry, Isaac. You're making me hungry. <laughs> just before lunch our time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question number five. What four musicians would you put on your personal Mount Rushmore of musicians, either for being the biggest influence or just your favorite musicians? So they don't have to play different instruments. They could play, you could all be singers, songwriters, or they could all be drummers or whatever, but four favorite musicians that you put on your Mount Rushmore. I think I would have to uh, take people from all eras of my musical influences. So if you go back to my earliest one, you got to go with the Beatles. Um, and uh, I'd probably take Paul. Uh, okay. I, I, you know, I have uh, I have moments where you know I have a d different favorite. I mean, I appreciate you know things about all of them for sure. Yeah. As uh, I say, you're already starting off in a very antagonist way by picking a Beatle that's not John <laughs> Lennon, right? Because everybody's like, "What? No, John's the guy." <laughs> well, you you know, you got your John. Yeah, I mean, John is the guy, but you know, so is Paul. Uh, yeah. And then you got you know, then I, I so then I would go to like my. Um, my sort of like uh, uh, elementary school years, my, my school age years. And then I guess I'd have to go some, someone 80s like Duran Duran or maybe the police is better. So let's take Sting. Okay. We'll take Sting and, and Paul McCartney. Then uh, it was metal. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I could take Tommy Lee, you know, as the drummer. Although, you know, I, you know, 
James Hetfield would be interesting in there too, or, you know, maybe Steve Harris from Iron Maiden, but let's, let's put Tommy Lee, uh, I don't know. He's got a, a different energy that, that yeah, those his flair guys. was, like was what, definitely I'd like to see what Tommy that... Lee and Sting would do together. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, then I guess, you know, if you're going to, then I guess punk rock came in and, uh, you know, the earliest bands I was uh, exposed to in punk rock was like, you know, Bad Religion, maybe the, the first uh, two Green Day records and, you know, the, the Descendants. And uh, so I, maybe, uh I don't know who who I would take. I, maybe I would take uh, you know Brett Gurwitz from from the Bad Religion. You know, mm-hmm. I've always been a big fan of his uh, of his songs and you know on the uh, on those first couple of records. And you know, I just think he's a smart, interesting dude. Uh, so so that Brett Gurwitz, Tommy Lee, Sting, Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney. That's a very interesting list. I, I don't think any playing bass. Yeah, I was going to say Paul McCartney could play piano and Sting could play bass in that band, or they could, right. just or they bass could switch. I guess they could yeah. switch. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe you throw people off, and Tommy Lee is the front man and uh, Paul's on drums. Yeah, there you go. They're very. I mean, those guys have been in music so long they could play every single thing that they can sit in front of, so it doesn't even matter. Start playing a theremin <laughs> or a, you know a sitar or something it doesn't matter. They're they're that good. Yeah, so. <laughs> totally. All right. Well, the spotlight is off and hopefully you're not sweating too much. I saw you take a big drink there. So I'm like, maybe he was. Yes, I made, I survived. (laughs) But uh, we'll be back in just a few moments moments to wrap things up with and see what Dave and Diesel Boy have come up in the near future. So stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. Reverend Guitars embodies the idea that every run of scorching lead and every roll of finger-picked twang deserve the same passion and commitment to quality. Whether you're selling out arenas or playing in your living room, we know that what makes an instrument powerful is when players wield them to create something remarkable. A melody that moves mountains. A riff that just won't quit. We want to be there in your hands when that happens. For us, that means staying true to what we believe. Somewhere along the road of electric guitar history, it became a crazy idea that guitar makers should craft guitars with the same sense of purpose and passion, whether they're played in a bedroom or an arena. If that's a wild idea, then we're in the right place carrying six strings and an attitude, and wearing good company. Reverend Guitars, well played. Running your own music career is incredibly difficult. Trying to get people to like, share, comment, listen, follow, it's all just overwhelming. Most musicians give up before they ever achieve success, and that's the worst. If you're looking for a better way to grow your music career, head to DIYRockCareer.com for some absolutely free training. It costs you nothing, and it could be the difference between hitting your goals and quitting your dream. Go to DIYRockCareer.com today by clicking the link below this episode. Then I lost my way. Welcome back to the Powered by Rock podcast. I'm here with Dave from Diesel Boy. Obviously, we've been talking about the new album, Get uh, Gets Old. I almost said Get Lost, but that's actually the one right behind <laughs> there. That's yeah, some people might want that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's talk about what you guys have coming up, obviously, because, you know, the new album is coming out on July 28th by Spam Records. Uh, I believe they're, they're now in the U.S. as well. So, like, that's for both U.S. and international release through them. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. Cool. Um, do you have any other singles coming up before then? Or do you have any, like, music videos? Or I know you guys are currently playing some shows. Uh, you, I think you just played a show, like, last Friday or something like that. Um, we haven't played yet. Are. Uh, is it the 16th? So is that there, what I saw? There, there's one more single that will come out uh, in a couple of weeks. So there'll be three singles before the record comes out. 
we are going to Europe uh, in August for a short tour. So uh, doing a couple of festivals and then filling in those shows with some headlining dates. And then there's, right. there's one date supporting Good Riddance. And then in July, uh, kind of a warm up before we go to Europe, we're playing Portland and Seattle. Uh, which is all that we have on the calendar at the moment. Uh, once yeah. we get back from uh, Europe in August, you know, through the through the rest of the year, we're working on booking some dates now. Um, as I talked about earlier, you know, we it's not going to be a full time gig, and uh, you know, we'll see how much stuff we're able to take on. We're still kind of uh, getting our sea legs back and figuring out the infrastructure and how to make all this work with living in different cities and how we're going to do it. But the idea is to do festivals and weekend flyouts, you know, wherever we can, maybe we'll do one bigger trip every year, you know, go overseas, go somewhere fun and exotic. And, uh, and, and then, you know, a few weekends a year, go, go do some stuff as we can make it work. You know, I'm a divorced dad, so I got my kids half the time. Um, so, uh, and we're all busy. So, uh, so, so it, it takes some planning and some work to get our calendars to align, but yeah, the hope is that, you know, we can, slowly make our way to some of those good markets you know canada was always great for us we'd love to get up there you know the midwest and the east coast we hope we were able to you know we definitely won't be able to get everywhere but you know over the next few years i hope we can figure out a way to kind of start traveling a little and and come play some shows yeah and your kids weren't even born the last time you guys released an album so like they don't even know about diesel dave in the punk rock days right I mean, they only know because, you know, they Google me sometimes and, yeah. you know, they like to make fun of me, but they have pretty much zero interest in uh, my music or what I do. I'll be excited and be like, hey, you guys want to hear the record? They're like, nah, no thanks. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it'll be fun. I'm excited to, you know, play here where, where I live and, you know, have them come see and, you know, uh, I mean, they make fun of me relentlessly anyway. Um but uh but yeah they're not they're not rock music guys they they're they're interested in hip hop and you know uh whatever the kids like these days which is not diesel boy so uh <laughs> um you Damn know they tolerate they tolerate my music but yeah, yeah they're not they're not fans they rarely ever and and if they hear something that is like no matter what it is if we're in the car and there's some kind of like pop punk song that comes on the radio they always ask is this you uh, they have no separation. You know, if it's like fast. That's Blink-182. I'm sorry. You've it, never heard of Blink-182. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I mean, for sure, they would mistake Blink-182 for Diesel Boy because it's, you know, in the same genre or whatever. That's funny. Yeah, no, that's uh, be interesting. Obviously, you'd be like, come to the show. I'm going to shred your faces off and watch this. And all these people are going to start moshing around when I start singing. You'll be blown away. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a song. So uh, one, one other thing I didn't mention is there were two songs that we recorded for the record that we didn't put on the record that we left off intentionally we'll do a seven inch with those uh songs at some point one of them is called punk rock minivan uh and it's about uh you know it's not really uh autobiographical but it's about putting your kids into the minivan and driving them around to all the important punk rock uh you know uh, places across across the the u.s so nice. um you know sort of an imagined version if my kids were interested in punk rock <laughs> forcing them to go to you know see where uh, Sid Vicious stabbed Nancy and CBGBs and, you know, wh where uh, Black Flag got their start used to practice, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. Obviously, we'll add some links to the music and, the, and to, like, pre-save and pre-order the new album in the show awesome. below this episode. But did you have anything else that you wanted to plug? Any shout-outs you want to give or anything you say want to say before we go today? 
Uh, just thank you for having me. It was a, a nice chat and uh, yeah. I appreciate the nice words about the record and that you, uh, you know, uh, will spent the time talking to me to promote the record and, you know, yeah. thanks for remembering the band. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, it was a pleasure. Absolutely. One last question before we sign yeah. off. I always like to try to ask people this question. What new music would you recommend people check out a new artist, new album, uh, new song? Maybe you've just heard that's come out maybe in the last like year or, or less that you're like, man, that's a really good one. Uh, you know, I, uh, I love Phoebe Bridgers. I got turned on to her when her first record was out. She's kind of blown up since, and you know, yeah. she's on tour with Taylor Swift. Love her records. I've been listening to the new Dave Howes record a bunch. I think that's really good. I love the new Frenzel Rom uh, oh, yeah. record. Um, a lot of C words drop. That's a, that's that a banger. Always. Yeah. <laughs> See, their songs are so dumb, but they're just, you know, they're silly. Uh, Jason Isbell, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, he's got a new record out. You know, he used to be in the drive by truckers. He's kind of an Americana guy. Yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned that because Pedro from um, Fire Sale, which is one of the most recent ones, he he mentioned Jason Isbell as well. All, all yeah. these punk rock guys turning into folk singers now. Yeah, I spend, I don't listen to a lot of punk rock. I mean, I, I will always listen, you know, if the Bouncing Souls drop a new record, of course I'm going to check it out. And, you know, when, when bands from our era make a new record, I'll always listen to it and, you know, uh, and still like it. But, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I just tend to, I tend to not listen to as much punk rock as I, as I did back in the day. It's still a genre I like, and I'm curious what everyone's up to, but I, I think my tastes probably skew more indie rock or singer songwriter kind of folky, yeah. uh, even like, you know, ambient, you know, electronic music or, you yeah. know, and, and, and I'm a big record collector. So I'll often go deep on artists who I might know, but never went deep into their catalog, like Leonard Cohen or, Oh yeah. Um, that's a, that's a know, weird it, rabbit hole. To Lizzie go into. Or, yeah. you know, like bands that I like, but you know, they have a ton of records, but I only do one or two or even Miles Davis, you know, got a million records. Uh, it's fun to sort of go down the rabbit hole, hole of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I, I mean, you know, when I first bought my very first guitar, the, the guy who sold it to me, it was at like some music shop in Bismarck, North Dakota, actually. He said, do you like country music? And I was like, absolutely not. Like everybody in North Dakota like country music. So I'm like, I fucking hate country music. I like punk music. I like rock music. He's like, Oh, don't worry. In about 20 years, you will love country music. And I remember <laughs> him saying that to me. And I'm like, I still to this day fucking hate country music. So in your face, buddy. <laughs> I don't been, mind, you know, I, the, uh, commercial country is a little bit sort of saccharine or whatever, but, yeah. uh, but there's some stuff, you know, I find it, uh, it's like those trashy reality shows. Every once in a while, I'm like, all right, this is pretty good song. Yeah, all I right. listen to some of that old stuff, like little Randy Travis or like Alan Jackson or sure. Garth Brooks from back in the day. Like some of that stuff was okay. But like when it turned into like pop rap country, I was like, I don't know what the fuck this yeah. is, but I can't stand this. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much, Dave, from Diesel Boy, obviously, yeah. for being on the show today. Can't wait for the new album to come out. Go check out the show notes below this episode to get links to the music and social media from them. Also, remember the Powered by Rock podcast is powered by our listeners. So to show us some support, please be sure to subscribe and share the podcast on social media. You can also click the link below here to make a donation to the podcast to help us keep making some awesome episodes with awesome guests like Dave. You can see the full video interview on our YouTube channel and Spotify now as well. If you want to check out some of our awesome content and our merch or gear, head to PoweredByRock.com to see what's good there. That's our show for today. I'll see you soon for the next episode. Until then, rock on.
supposed to be 